hi, welcome everyone to the inaugural episode of Bad Adaptations, uh, where we review Bollywood adaptations from our favorite movies, books, and shows. The term favorite is very loosely applied here. You'll understand why. For everyone listening out there, just keep in mind that the B does stand for Bollywood. Uh, not every adaptation is bad, but most of them are, which is tragic. And I'm always hoping for the best, but you'll see. You'll see. They come pretty close. And uh, as usual, we are not professionals. We are four really close friends. And uh, we're just here living in the Indian diaspora. We've been friends since high school, if that's important for you to know that. <laughs> and we just really like talking about Bollywood movies. Uh, as always, these opinions are not sponsored or endorsed by anyone but ourselves. So yeah, let's get started. Uh, I'm Alicia. I'm Ramya. I'm Varsha. And I'm Rohini. Really exciting. It's the four of us. Yeah. Um, today, for our first episode titled Bride to Bride, we will be talking about the 2004 romantic comedy Bride and Prejudice, which is directed by Gurinda Chada and based off of Jane Austen's famous nine, I'm sorry, 1813 novel Pride and Prejudice. Really exciting. We're probably going to be directly comparing it also to the 2005 cinematic adaptation high key one of my favorite movies with Keira Knightley and Matthew McFadden. For those of you unfamiliar, uh, just a little blurb about Pride and Prejudice. So it's quick synopsis. Uh, the plot centers around five sisters from a middle-class English family during Regency England as they deal with society and its expectations for like marriage, money, manners, education, and the effects of being judgmental. And we got our main characters, Lizzie Bennet, our icon, we stand so hard. We love her so much. And Fitzwilliam Darcy, who rightfully goes by just Mr. Darcy because his first name is a mouthful. My God. And, you know, she's got four other sisters. We'll talk about them more later. But, um, yeah, let's dive into Bride and Prejudice. <sighs> Y'all, what do we think about Bride and Prejudice? Well, I love Pride and Prejudice a lot more now. And I don't like period pieces. It's so important that the audience knows that you don't like period pieces. <laughs> I despise period pieces. Capital D in despise. I'm a slut for a good period piece. So I wish I had found that out sooner in our friendship, but it's too late now. Uh, I mean, if I you want, you can categorize it as a period piece. It's just, you know. <laughs> the early aughts. A period piece for the early aughts, because I can't stress this enough. It's aggressively early 2000s. Yeah, you gotta love, like, spoiler alert. The 2004 sorry, no, style. I'm sorry, I'm talking over you. No, it's fine. <laughs> I got really excited. Spoiler alert. Ashanti shows up in this movie and it threw me off guard. I was maybe in shock for a solid two minutes. Anyway, uh, just a quick little fact sheet about the 2004 Pride and Prejudice. It is based off Pride and Prejudice. Surprise. It stars... Ashraya Rai as the lead role of Lalita Bakshi and Martin Henderson as her romantic counterpart, Will Darcy. I will comment. I have never seen Henderson in any other thing. So congrats to him. He peaked here in this movie. And um, I didn't find him attractive when we first started, but then about an hour and 15 minutes into the movie, it was ride or die for me. That's some Stockholm syndrome nonsense. It was Stockholm just, syndrome. Yikes. Uh, so yes, the film was released October 6th of 2004 in the UK and Ireland and February 11th in 2005 in the United States. 
So I, I guess the US version was released the same year as the Kira Knightley cinematic adaptation. So I don't know, just keep that in mind. I kind of didn't think that this movie came out before that version, but wow, wow. What a comparison. So Alex very Ross. different. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd like to point out that before we kind of get into the film and and what we liked and what we didn't like about it, which is always fun to talk about, I, um, I think we all kind of, after we watched it, sort of reflected and understood that it had a very simple goal, which was essentially to bring um, Bollywood and Indian flair to the classic English tale of Pride and Prejudice and see how it would react with modern audiences. So because of that mission, it did very well, actually. It, was, it got mainly positive reviews by a lot of critics and a lot of people really enjoyed it. Um, but again, I think when you're coming at it from a different lens and a different vantage point that we're all going to be talking about, we, we were less than enthusiastic about the adaptation. Um, there are quite a few glaring problems with it. But again, it did what it needed to do. It, it fulfilled its mission, which was to just kind of introduce the concept of Bollywood and Indian culture and tradition to people who are not very familiar with it, but doing so in in something that they are very familiar with, um, especially for, I don't want to, you know, stereotype that all English citizens love Pride and Prejudice, because of course that may not necessarily be the case, but they are probably most accustomed to it. So, or or that lens, or or or, or been in that world. So, yeah, I uh, I think you know, let's all keep that in mind. <laughs> I think that makes me so angry that technically, in a very technical sense, they met their goal. Like they did what they said they were going to do, and that makes me so angry because this movie was obviously made for white people. Like I'm sorry that it's we're looking at. We need to look at it from a socio historical lens but I'm also looking at it as like, now it's, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean like the movie poster itself, for those of you who may not have seen it, I encourage you to do a Google search of Bride and Prejudice and you will find that the tagline for the poster literally is saying Hollywood meets Bollywood. What a perfect match or something to that effect. Um, which, you know, I mean, that says it all. Right. And you've got like them leaning against each other, all smiles and giggles and very happy. And you have like India on one side and you got, like some American stuff on the other side. It's just, it's very much like a, they're trying to kind of bring these two worlds together for people who who may not have stepped out of their comfort zone. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting effect. Yeah, this has a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I, just, I just need to bring that up because I watched the movie. And by the end of it, am I being dramatic? No, I was ready to kill myself. <laughs> Big facts. I just want to say, I think it's also so important that you, the audience, knows that this is from the same director that brought us Bend Like Beckham. I just needed you to know that. Like, it's the same director. And now I am scared to rewatch Bend It Like Beckham because I'm worried that I'm not going to love it as much. I've never even seen Bend It Like Beckham. I don't want to watch it anymore. What? I just, I'm another sorry. Kira Knightley, but... Another Kira Knightley classic? I know, I know. Jonathan Rhys Myers is in there. It was Pirates of the Caribbean or Bust. I just, I can't watch anything after that. I love her too much in Pirates of the Caribbean. You know what? That's, that's fair. We stand so hard. All right. So we, we have to do this. Let's, let's start talking about this movie that all of us collectively hated so much. And I really went into this with, that's a lie. I went into this with mediocre hopes. I did. I was like, maybe we'll get some, you know, interesting delves social commentary wise on marriage and culture and tradition. 
no, we didn't get any of that. So we're going to talk more about that later. Uh, let's start with the start of this movie, which opens up in um, Amritsar. Yeah, it opens up on this small town. And Ashwara Rai is in a very aggressively early 2000s outfit. Like she's wearing like a like a cute little t-shirt and jeans, but she's on like a tractor. It's just, it's jarring. <laughs> I was a little surprised. I mean, it shows that she's a modern woman in India's day and age, but she's still connected to her roots. It was kind of appealing that like, oh yeah, Ash, is, Ash has got it going on. She's like the most fashionable person on the planet in this film. But of course she's like, real and authentic and she knows what's going on in like farming culture so i appreciate because who doesn't farm in jeans i mean everyone wants to do that in the hot um, sun on a tractor counting crops but go on yeah the opening scene definitely was it almost reminded me of like the poster for ddlj it was like that same meadow it was the same yellow flowers and i was like interesting interesting i wonder kind of modern looking girl on a tractor I wonder if they um if they have that meadow on reserve. Like they just keep it on standby for any Bollywood movie or Indian movie that needs to be made. And they're like, oh man, where are we gonna get a meadow or an empty field? Oh wait, we got one on standby. And then they all just bid each other for who's gonna take it what time of the month. I mean, because you know, a lot of movies are made with our industry. So I would genuinely believe that's true just because like why wouldn't they also just have standing tours and be like, oh, hello, do you and your significant other want to also have a rom-com moment? Run through this meadow and we will charge you for it. God, that's a great idea. I mean, they do have um, film studios that they use like the same sets in different, you know, in different ways to produce the same kind of scene. Like, I mean, I regrettably went to one when I took a trip to India to visit my grandparents and like yeah I've definitely seen a lot of sets and like you wouldn't think like three different films would have been made on the same set in different variations but it happens and I feel like this meadow is what I I want to go on that tour like I'm dying to go on that tour you gotta get me it was actually lit low-key you should definitely go (laughs) Ramoji Film Studios for anyone who's wondering in Hyderabad thank you for I was wondering about that thank you thank you for that plug (laughs) Uh, so yeah, we are introduced to the Bakshi family. You have, oh, why am I blanking right now? Who is the actor that plays the father? Anupam Thank you. Literally the, the best dad, the best dad of Bollywood cinema, like just iconic. He's there. He plays the lovable Mr. Bennett. You have Ladita, Lizzie Bennett, uh, Jaya, the older sister. And then They cut out one of the sisters for the Indian version. So there's only two other sisters, but they're still equally a bit silly. And you're just introduced to this like modern family. I say modern. And the mother obviously is only trying to get her daughters married. Like she's super thirsty, but on the behalf of other people. And I'm not going to lie. It's a little relatable as cringy as it is. I will say though, I mean, they like in the shot, like the opening shot, you see their home and it's literally called like Bakshi Villa on the sign outside. So in contrast to the like 2005 version, like it's, it's very much like, I feel like they're a little bit like higher on the economic, socioeconomic totem pole with that context. They're just a little, they seem a little more richer. Like people who own villas are not necessarily like middle-class. They've got a lot of stuff going. It's a big house. It's a beautiful house if you go inside it. I mean, there's, it's open, it's airy. There's a lot of like space for everyone. And that land that I'm sure Mr. Bakshi owns, you know, they, they've probably got to be a very well-to-do family. Like a, a modestly well-to-do family, not rich by any means, but still, you know, rather in good comfort. 
I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, the Bennets are not poor. They they have servants. They're like high middle class family, and they can obviously have a cook that makes excellent boiled potatoes. But like, <laughs> I don't know. I I think that kind of equates pretty well. I mean, I'm a little curious because, like, throughout the film, you can see, like, Mrs. Bennett making comments about their socioeconomic position, her marrying off her daughters so that they could be in a better position. So in my mind, actually, I was thinking, like, throughout the film that they're not as well off. So they're trying to get out of that. I think I also had those same concerns. No, I also had those same concerns, especially since they come from this agricultural background. I was a little confused about... Uh, what was it, Mrs. Bakshi's constant re- reaffirmation of that? So yeah, maybe, maybe like I think in hindsight now, yeah, maybe you guys have a point because if they are like a mainly farming income family, a lot of it their their wealth and and their ability to 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 do well depends on the crop season and how well they perform year to year. So I'm sure it's very fluctuative. So I, I bet with Mrs. Bakshi, she wants to see her daughters placed in a little bit more of a stable setup where they don't have to worry about like weather conditions or or how much they you know what I mean it's it's not a purely like very variable business they can kind of be happy and and living in, in rich comfort you know and it, and it looks good in society too I mean who doesn't want to brag that your kid is married to the richest guy um you know that they they ever know so I guess I it was just very con- I'm like was it a family house where you pass this house down through the generations I was just concerned because of the agricultural background I didn't know how rich they were but they obviously had like servants in this big old house but anyway we're going to talk more about that later uh we are almost immediately after introduced to the romantic lead of this movie will darcy thank god his name's not fitzwilliam in this version um he's coming he's a white guy i'm just gonna say it william dar or william darcy is a white guy and he's coming to india with his good friend bill raj who is this movie's version of mr bingley and I'm not going to lie to you. I was not a fan of this introduction. You come in with like William, this white guy, Bill Raj, and his incredibly snobby sister, Kiran. And this dude looks around India. He's like riding in a rickshaw or whatever. And he's like looking around and he's like turning his nose up. And he's like, "Ugh, Bill Raj, where did you bring me? Uh, Yeah, this came off as pretty high key racist to me. Personally, I was not a fan. And I was also like, this movie has already taken me out of like the whole thing that's happening because none of the Indian people were looking at this white man in this tiny town. Like I just, if it's early two thousands and you're in a small town, like they're trying to pretend that they are like, you're going to see some people stare. Nothing happened. I was like, Nope, this isn't, this isn't real. This is a movie. It's this fake. is already fake for me. Yeah, this is already fake for me. I'm like, nobody's staring at this Godo, like no one. Like when I visit India and I'm in like Western clothes, people stare at me. So I'm like, there's no way people are not openly staring at this rich looking dude. Well, I mean, I also kind of want to point out to the entire journey, like after they land and, and they're they're moving through the city and, you know, Darcy is seeing his first glimpse of like India, both city and, and a little bit of the, the countryside too. Like Balraj does very little to correct him and say, you know, maybe that's not the nicest thing you should say about visiting a new place and a new culture. You're 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 a guest here. We're all guests here. This is not where we live primarily. We should treat a place where it may it may be new to us. We may be like overwhelmed with everything that's going on, but we should still give it some respect. And I I I mean I would assume a barrister 
in London because that is Balraj's career. And both him and his sister, they they are very British. You know, they they've been raised there. They clearly have English accents. So I don't think they have very um, strong ties to. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe they are well versed in Indian culture, but I don't think they've been brought up there. You know, this is kind of like a second home to them in a way. But they're not exactly having that child to adult period of, of of living in India and being an Indian. So it's it's interesting how people, for all their appreciation, oh, you know, this is my heritage. It's good to be back in my roots, but are kind of staying silent on on someone else, just just respecting it and and not giving it any sort of openness or curiosity or understanding, you know? Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a sad moment for me. Cause I, I personally hate it when, you know, you go anywhere and you just, you know, you know, put your nose up and, and you don't want to learn and, and meet new people. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So. I mean, not to like strip it down, but I think like the whole point of the movie was so, cause you know, Aisha Rai in the film is the only one that like, kind of corrects him and it kind of goes against him and tries to correct him so maybe to move the film along and kind of make her that central point in doing that all the other characters are kind of just like you know they just let it go and kind of overlook it I I do get that sense I sometimes feel like though like a lot of times in the 2005 like western version um and I I don't want to say each movie should be like exactly the same as you know its counterpart that doesn't make any sense but um you know in the the Joe Wright version you do see Bingley kind of being like you know this is like they're nice people like you should dance you should be a little bit more sociable he's trying to like not make such a depressing situation for Darcy he's saying you know you're not in a bad place these are nice people maybe you have a different way you act and you're a little awkward but they're still great people you should kind of be a little bit more in- engaging and I, I just kind of wish even though the whole point is for Lalitha and Darcy to get together it's just there can be more than one person saying you know this is not cool you should be a little bit more respectful is, is kind of what I'm, I'm getting at a little bit I mean I get that I think it's also worth noting that Bill Raj actually does have similar Bingley lines again because he is Bingley but like he's like he's like oh maybe you should try dancing when they're at that random wedding that they have for plot reasons i guess they're just at this wedding <laughs> crazy like we're gonna talk about bill raj and especially kieran's internalized misogyny later mm-hmm. and their deal with living in the diaspora but anyway we need to talk about the music and the first song of this movie because i was it was jarring it was it, they sang in english but it was very much in the bollywood style i was it's like they wrote all the lyrics in Hindi, but then they like Google translated to English. It was, it sounded very strange. I was not a fan, but I would like to give a shout out to the Kuch Kuch Hai poster in the first song for no reason. There was no reason for them to have that in there, but they did. And guys, let's talk about the music in this movie. Yeah. Let's do this. Can you give me a refresher? Cause I'm, I'm drawing a little bit of a blank of what the first song in the film is because I know they land, right? They land, you see the family, you kind of see the dynamics between them all. And then it goes straight to the wedding, right? Or the engagement or like the first song is the, is, is Balraj's like piece, right? Where he's dancing, I'm assuming at the Sangeet. Oh, that was so much. Balraj just jumps in there. He's like dancing and they have like a very classic, like Bollywood setup where it's like boys versus girls. And it's ridiculous because they're singing in English and I don't understand why they're doing that. Like we could have had subtitles. I would have been fine with that. Yeah. I think, you know, again, maybe with, Maybe Gurinder like whole motive was just to get people like a small taste of it. Maybe not overwhelm them with a whole other language that they'd have to worry about looking at the dancing and the subtitles. I agree. I think I would have preferred it to be in Hindi and have it like a more traditional song if you're going to incorporate that style in there. 
it, again, it just shows me like this guy is like, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I love coming home and he just like seamlessly gets back and, 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 you know, mingles with everybody and everyone's like, oh yeah, you're neat enough to bust out into a, a Bollywood number. You got all the moves, you know, you're dressed in the part, you're everything that we need to be. And it's just like, poor Darcy's kind of like, man, I thought you were going to stick by me and help me through this. And you're just kind of off dancing with all the people around and I'm awkwardly walking around trying to make conversation with all these people I don't know. So, Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just trying to sur- like suppress my memories, but I feel like the first song where they're like in the wedding was actually in Hindi because I remember reading the subtitles and I'm like, what are they even saying? Was that the one you- song in the movie that was actually in Hindi? Is that true? It, it may have been like parts of it I maybe like I don't know if it's all in Hindi I do remember there were like a little couple of lines that were in English but I think you're right for the majority of it there it probably was in Hindi um but I think that's the only one though. maybe I yeah. think that is the only one because I I only watched really two songs before I started scrubbing through and the next one is like when they're shopping and all the people in the in the streets are like you're gonna get oh. married Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. but in like English it was weird I think the song in the wedding is called Bale Bale. Oh, no. No! <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't count it as a real song number for this yeah, movie. Like, that, that, that's probably why. Yeah, so when I was watching this, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't realize that they were going to sing in this. And so when I got to the um, actual song montage where they're walking through the streets and you see that Kuchkuchota poster, like, yeah. I considered that the first song because this was at a wedding and weddings you sing. So I didn't think this was a music montage. Mm. But I, I mean, I technically it was because the song is called Bale Bale. I looked up the CD. I was like, what are all the songs on here? <laughs> I just didn't think I could count that. So technically you're right. But also technically I didn't count that. And yeah. Quick side right. This is, this is great. This is why we have four people on this podcast because, you know, we can kind of clarify and do the research on the fly. But again, we are not professionals. So if we do mess up in terms of song sequence or what was said first or what we consider a first song... You know, bear with us. Um, but yeah, I guess you're right. I, I mean, if Bali Bali is all in Hindi, they they did their due diligence. They had that one song, so yeah. Although I will note that this song, if we call it a real song number, was important because ah ha ha, Lalita and Darcy meet for the first time. Misunderstandings, prejudice. Darcy has an ignorant statement where he talks about oh, arranged marriage. I could never. And she's like, ha, coming from the guy who's from a country with the highest divorce rates. And I was like, oh, oh. that's it. That's Lolita has like six really good lines. And that's one of them. I mean, how do they go from like checking each other out throughout the whole song to like completely hating each other? I feel like there's like a lot of love there. And it's like, you know, when, when people tease each other because they love each other so much. <laughs> Mean like it's kindergartners? Like, like that's what was hap- that was that's what was happening because you see them looking at each other throughout the entire song. Yeah, but like this just reminds me when I go on dates, like I see a guy on like Hinge or Tinder or something, and I think he's really attractive, and I'm like, oh my god, you're super cute. And then he opens his mouth to talk to me, and I'm like, please get me away. You know what? That's a mood. I'm gonna agree with you. That's a mood. Especially someone who's not familiar with my culture and is basically a foreigner. Like, I'm like, mm, you can't yeah, come in here and diss my home. He just said something super ignorant. She's like, you know what? You were cute, but now you're not. And I feel <laughs> that. That makes sense. Like, as with the case with a lot of men, they open their mouth and you're like, oh, no, I've made a mistake. Also, yeah, I just want to, I just can't get over the fact that they made every character in this movie Indian, but they made Lolita's love interest both white. And mm-hmm. I just think that's, 
super messed up. And you can't really look at that without it being racist. And that makes me so angry every time I think about it. We're going to move on because this wedding that they're at is like, it's it's like some random girl's wedding. It like doesn't even really matter. Again, shout out to the Kuchotota hit poster. Um, during this wedding, Bill Raj just randomly asked Jaya to come with them to Goa. And the crazy part was her parents said yes. This is fake news. What Daisy parent is like, you know what? Yeah, go ahead. Take my daughter to Goa, handsome rich stranger. Yeah, can we talk about that? I can't even go, if I'm in India, I can't even go with my male cousins to like a shopping mall by myself for more than like an hour before my dad going postal and just sometimes saying like, you know, you got to be careful what's going on, where are you guys at, what are you doing? Um, so yeah, I mean, to, to leave with, I mean, I know they're rich, but it kind of seems like, oh, this guy's got money. He's from London. We can trust our daughter's well-being with these people. And it was like, really? Can you? Can you really? I don't, I, I don't know. I know Mrs. Bakshi's thirsty, but like, is she that thirsty? <laughs> so it kind of reminds me of like, every time I tell my mom, hey, I'm going out with a couple friends to like a week trip or like a weekend trip or something. She's like, oh, can I come? Like... 100% <laughs> Mrs. Bakshi would have definitely wanted to go to Goa with them. And I'm very surprised she didn't ask. This goes back to how we were talking about Aisha Rai being very like modern at the beginning of the film. Like considering that they're coming from a small town, like how did they end up being a modern family? And like they're the only modern family that they show. So it makes no sense because they're still like in the agriculture business, and then they're still living a very cultured life, but everything they do is modern. It's because Lalita reads all those books, okay? You know, she opens up a giant book in Goa, and they're like, oh, where's your makeup? And she's like, no, I just brought my book. It's because she's reading those books. They're modern. Because obviously in the early 2000s, um, makeup and books are mutually exclusive ideas. Uh, mm -hmm. Internalized misogyny run rampant, and you can't like both, obviously. <laughs> God. Yeah, forget the fact that she's wearing so much makeup on her. She she just likes books. She doesn't like makeup. <laughs> we didn't even get to see what book she was reading. She just pulls out this inexplicably large book that you have to look up in the movie facts that it's a Jane Austen book. You have to look that up. I was going to say, wasn't that like an IMDB piece of trivia when we were doing our research that it was one of Austen's books? I kind of think if it was that big, maybe it was one of those like bound collections where every novel of Austin's is put together into one book and Border sells them. You know what I'm talking about? Back it does look like it does look like the, Bar the Barnes and Noble edition that yeah. I also <laughs> that's what it looked like. Or other option, it's just in large text. <laughs> I'll go she's, with that. she's like, I really wanted to flex on this book. I'm gonna get the large print edition. Yeah, you guys, she doesn't have time to pack her reading glasses. I mean, she doesn't wear makeup or glasses, but she reads a lot. <laughs> so it's fine. And I mean, what better place than to pull out your large leather-bound volume book and, 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 uh, and whatever. We can't judge, although I kind of am. In an area covered by sand. Uh, but this was a good segue for her. She's, see, she's smart. She reads books. This was a good segue for her to talk about, like, imperializing India with... Darcy just going like, hmm, I think I want part of this money pit in India. I think I'm going to set up a resort here. And that's when she's like, aha, I get to just flex my knowledge and talk about how it doesn't matter about the jobs you bring because you're not actually, you know, you're colonizing India, but in a very business capitalist kind of way. And then that's that's the whole conversation. That's if we're keeping track, I think the second good line Lalitha has, second or yep. third. Mm, number yeah. two. I'm curious, though, like, if you're a businessman, you're not just going to go telling your business like that. They barely knew each other. It was like their <laughs> second time meeting. Why would you tell someone 
oh yeah, hmm, I'm gonna build a resort here. I mean, if that's a real power move, like I figure you wouldn't put that out there like that. This movie's just a collection of large flexes just over and over again. Yeah, I think it is. And, and I mean, also, like, you gotta remember, I think Balraj and Kieran are there, too. It's not just Lalitha and, and Darcy. So I'm sure, you know, Kieran, I think Kieran at one point says something like, you know, this is this is nice. Like, we're finally at a more civilized place. Or she, she, she kind of said something a bit snobby. And at that point, Darcy's like, yeah, you know, I could... I could turn this whole country around. I just, you know, I got all the money in the world. I can put a couple more resorts there. We can make it really cool and super, super posh. And she just can't take it. Rightfully so. I mean, it's it's one thing to come into someone's home and just be like, eh, you guys are doing this wrong. So, yeah. Can we also talk about how aggressively British Kieran looks? Like <laughs> she's wearing like a Burberry bathing suit. It's a two piece while Lalitha is a little more conservative. She was a one piece with her untitled book. But like. <laughs> it's so funny to me she's just like I, I wear makeup and I'm here in this like very very British aesthetic and she I think it's very interesting that the casting made the choice to make Bill Raj cast it as this like dark-skinned actor and they made Kieran super super light-skinned I don't know I just think that's worth mentioning I feel like it may have also been a charisma standpoint I personally think like I I really did like the fact that um I oh man I feel terrible. I'm going to forget the actor's name. If someone has his name on file uh, for Balraj, please let me know. I think it's Naveed something, but he, he's a, he's a charmer. He was also on Lost, which I loved as a TV show. And, you know, he's, he's, he's quite a great actor too. And so I think, you know, the director, she probably wanted to pick a person who was having those like seemingly good graces, but very charming. And it's so, he's just so charming. Like you don't necessarily need to pick the most handsome guy. Not that, Navid isn't handsome. I think he is a very attractive man. But at the same time, it's it's less about like fairness and and that sort of um, society standard that we have in India about who's who's good looking and who's not. Right? It's more about the charm. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was definitely into Bill Raj. He was the one part of the movie I actually liked. I think it's because he also gave me Sanjaya vibes from American Idol. <laughs> Bottom line, I was in. I was Stop into it. Right now. I think. Um... I don't know, in Bollywood or in general, like guys being darker, um, like they're portrayed to be a little more darker because it makes them more attractive. Compared to girls, they try to make them more fair. I've noticed that a lot of actors that are t that tend to be darker are tend like they're liked more, basically. Yeah, I, have, I don't know if that's saying something. I have noticed that. I mean, I feel like with 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 male actors, you know, they, it's kind of like no one really. It's not that important, right? You can be fair. You can be dark skinned. You have more freedom to be physically, however you are, um, as is your natural best. But then, like with women, is as our industry has shown, it's there's very few dark skinned girls to the point where we are now having um, very fair skinned uh, actresses who are who are very talented. I'm not going to say no, but they are they are literally putting on makeup to appear darker or they're casting extras who from villages, you know, and painting their faces darker. It's it's just a weird, you know, justification for that. I don't understand it. Yeah, but like then we have Shah Rukh Khan promoting fair and lovely for men. Sahad Kapoor did that too. Like, yeah. Mm. Like it's still, mm, I, I, would, okay. I would agree. Like I, I mean, obviously yeah. colorism affects the entire population, but it's definitely worse for women. And I just felt like that kind of plays into the casting decisions, especially when you see all these people from like an agricultural background, like all of them are fair skin. You work in the field. What? what? Yeah, I mean, I agree. But I, I think, you know, 
Alicia, I like your point. Like maybe it wasn't as as heavily uh, vital. Like this decision is colorism. Like that concept really wasn't what this movie was trying to strive for. I think they were just trying to choose people that they liked in terms of chemistry and acting. And so they decided to pair these two brother and sister. And, and, you know, in all fairness, I thought the actress like for Kieran, she was a great actress because she really made me hate her. And I thought that. To be fair, she, I, I do like that actress in the uh, Varma, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, Naveen was in Lost, and Lost was really big in 2004, right? Yeah, it was. So, like, that also probably gave more of, like, the Western popularity, too. They're like, oh, like, obviously Ashwarya rise in this, but, like, Martin Henderson, I don't really know much about him, but, like... Never seen him. I don't know what other movies he's been in, but, like, Naveen, like, oh, you'd be like, oh, yeah, the Indian guy from Lost is in this movie. Maybe I'll watch it, you know? <laughs> the Indian and he is guy from Lost is... And speaking of attractive, let's go on to the man that made me feel no simp September. No, fine. You know what? Fine. All right. Johnny so Wickham. they're partying. So they're partying in Goa and they meet Johnny Wickham, which by the way, I'd also point out some context about Goa and the fact that it's there's a huge Christian population there because it was colonized by a big Christian population. Anyway, that's just but it's also like a party city. So fun fact about Goa. And yeah. oh my gosh, it's finally here, guys. Ashanti is performing at this random party in Goa. <laughs> and I almost lost my goddamn mind. Ashanti is like, India is the place for me. India sets you free. And then she starts speaking. And I was like, is this English? I don't know what she's saying. So I Googled it. It is like Hindi Punjabi, according to like what I found online. And I, I speak Hindi. I speak a little Punjabi. I understood not even a single word. It's so important for me to stress to the audience that all four of us are from very, our families are all from very different regions of India. We all speak different languages at home and none of us knew what Ashanti was saying. (laughs) I could not for the life of me tell you what Ashanti was saying. We all had to look up the lyrics and Rohini, don't you have some like information about Ashanti behind the scenes? Oh yeah. Like when she got there, she was just really worried about eating the food there because she thought it might make her sick. So she just literally lived off TV dinners and like ramen. And I'm like, girl, you are like <laughs> in 2004, you are like one of the highest paid celebrities there are. You don't think they would have gotten you actually like non-stall food? Because I'll, I'll be honest, some food in India kind of shifty, but they're not going to be feeding the stars any of the shifty food you get off the side of the road okay i'm really curious as to like why she agreed to do this <laughs> like really curious as to why she was like because she, she was a pretty big r&b star back in the day right like everyone knew ashanti so why Very would you 2000s. be like yeah this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna do an item number like that's what they're called right yeah you literally like, took the words right out of my mouth. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was honestly just about to say Ashanti is like the item song for Bride and Prejudice. And it's so funny because we've just gotten so used to them. Like I remember when I probably like I don't even question it anymore if I'm watching a Bollywood movie and it's like a very serious and suddenly it breaks out into some celebrity or whatever. Like with Akon singing Chamacello for Raw. One. Oh my god, I forgot. About I wasn't even I definitely surprised forgot about that. when he's when he popped. Like I don't think he shows up in the movie, but you can hear his like voice, and it was already really publicized. I was like, ah, you know, this guy's um, yeah, it, it fits. I don't see why not. It's just a really weird thing. Ashanti needs to be more like Akon, okay? I understood everything Akon was saying. His unique, immaculate, his accent, perfect. Akon, my ride or die. Ashanti, I'm sorry, girl. Please be better. Ashanti broke. Akon woke. Oh, damn. 
Do we not give Ashanti an A for effort for trying, though? I mean, not really. No, we're no sympathy. No. <laughs> right. no, no. I think we should at least give Ashanti some props for agreeing to do this in India when India definitely doesn't black. They definitely have a lot of anti-blackness in their culture. And she was just like, sure, I'll show up in your Bollywood, Hollywood go a song i guess we can party on the beach i won't pronounce anything correctly but i'll show up she was popping though yeah. that's all that matters <laughs> it was a bop i didn't understand a word but it was a bop yeah but the anti-blackness culture doesn't really extend to celebrities do you know how many brown kids in india love kanye west love drake like okay here's really the thing big but like, if it's a celebrity, it's on a, it's not the same thing as anti-blackness culture you see nowadays. People love Beyonce, and yet we just had a song come out in Bollywood where the lyrics are like, "Ugh, if they looked at you, white woman, Beyonce would be ashamed." That is true. That's so People true. People love Beyonce in India. Like, what was it that um super rich family that's basically royalty? They hired Beyonce for their wedding. The Ambani family. Oh, I know Mbani. exactly. Who Thank you're you. Because I was obsessed Thank with the you. wedding and like the fact that they're serving food on solid good gold plates. And it's just it the amount of royal wedding. Yeah. I mean, it's it I think it's solid silver. I don't know. Whatever it was that that was really the most lavish celebration I'd ever, you know, seen with respect to the media. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I kind of agree with Rohini there. Like the celebrity culture too, it, it's sort of a boundary stuff. But I want to ask you, Alicia, where that song is from because I don't even know what movie you're referencing. Or it's it's from a brand new movie. It like just came out and it's getting all this backlash really? right now, and it's crazy. And I will actually, I will note that that part that Rohini said, where like all these brown boys, they love like Drake and Akon and whatnot. I will say that there is a very pervasive trend in Indians that live in America and Indians abroad. They love appropriating black culture mm. without fully taking the repercussions of what that means and I, I just want to comment on that trend i'm not here to really like say anything but i will comment on that because it's worth commenting on did beyonce actually like perform for that wedding i'm very curious now i think she did yeah she, she, did. Did. she did yeah hillary clinton was at that wedding yeah everyone was there shut up and they i think i saw somewhere that they said like the main bollywood actors were like the waiters essentially for the people that were invited you're kidding like they were serving no, like, people slash doing the dance special oh yeah i heard that the bali i heard that celebrities at this wedding were like the poor people like they were not anywhere on the totem pole oh, <laughs> for the people at this wedding uh, but back on track um where were we? yeah anyway back to the movie and ashanti anyway so i just we had to talk about ashanti in this movie because that was crazy and i was freaking out for maybe half of her number like it took me a hot second but they, and you know she met Wickham. Yeah, Johnny Wickham, yeah. who happens to oh. be, um, if anyone's a big fan of Vampire Diaries, is one of the originals, <laughs> Elijah <laughs> from the Vampire Diaries. And so that really brought me back to my high school days when I used to watch that show. It's like, where have I seen this guy's face? He's a very handsome man from New Zealand who is acting English mm. in this adaptation. Yeah. So yeah, it's so important to note that Wickham in this movie's canon is British. He's very ostentatiously British and Darcy's American. I think that's just something you need to keep in mind, especially when they talk about Indian independence later. Anyway, so yeah, just wanted to say that because coming up next after the Goa party and after Lalitha inexplicably is like, oh, Wickham, you're so hot. You should show up to my hometown and I'll like, you know, show you around because Wickham was that white boy that just like 
travel through all these exotic countries and he's like wow I'm so I'm so into the culture and I'm like so great and I backpack around without any shoes but don't forget he's an f-boy never forget that but anyway it's finally happened our Mr. Collins counterpart finally shows up and his name is Coley and we have so many opinions about him So, I mean, I think the first intro to Coley was them, you know, returning from Goa, all in high spirits, you know, after you get a tan and a little bit of vacation, even though I don't think anyone works, like any of them are, no one is going to work or having another job. It's sort of like, you know, we're, we're set, we're reading, we're, we're beefing up our intelligence, but we're, despite being totally independent and advocating for that, we know, we're just not going to look for work or anything. It's fine. Whatever. Um, yeah, I think Lolita has like a line where she's like, I want to have a career and job. And I was like, girl, what job? What? <laughs> this is the first we're hearing of this. Exactly. You don't work. So you don't have a job. I saw you pull out a book once and that's it. <laughs> right. So if any of our listeners happens to, have, if they've seen this film, like believe that they knew if they had a job or anything, please let us know because I don't think any of us caught on that, um, that fact. But they do come home and they are um, immediately greeted by their mother to tell them that Koli Saab has come all the way from United the u.s um just to uh to visit them you know their their poor lowly family and they should indulge them they should be blessed Mm -hmm. they should be blessed i had a question about her having a job because she does sit at that table with her dad and like she's helping him with something and i think she mentions like i want to be at home with my dad and help him out i don't know if they have a business or is it like them with the agriculture whatever it is like what's the whole deal with that yeah, you're maybe in hindsight. Yeah, maybe she does help with the books or she's because she, in, in the beginning, you know, she's helping out her father on the farm. So maybe she's, you know, helping with with accounting or or just like stock inventory or, or the crops, like just maybe she's doing some like behind the scenes help with her dad. But I think the way she kept pitching it over and over again was like she was hoping to have some this this other career outside of like her immediate family work which I don't know if that that was ever achieved or or if there was ever any more talk about that. So Mm, true. And I have this uh, big family dinner dinner with Coley and um, viewers, if you're keeping track, we are on the third good line that Lalitha has in the entire film where (laughs) Coley is someone that immigrated from India to the U.S. to start a better life, a story that, you know, many of us are familiar, family of immigrants. And he comes back to India and just like shits all over India. Like he's just super, his internalized racism is showing. (laughs) And it's really funny. And the juxtaposition is very clear considering what a slob and what like a joke this man is. But he shits on India. And Lalitha has this really great line where she's like, well, India, you know, we just got our independence like 40 years ago. What was the US doing 40 years after their independence? Slavery and war. And I was like, oh, Lalitha, I want to like you with these banger lines. He's just in India and he's just like, I want a natural Hindustani woman. And I'm like, gross. Don't talk to me with that crap. You cannot leave India, shit all over your home country and talk about how great America is and then come back and be like, I don't want any of those women, though. They're all career driven and modern. I want a traditional wife. And they all have these bad thoughts about other women. The lesbian joke, not a fan. Please take that. That did not age well. That did not age well at all. Can we talk about, um, you know, like, yeah, of course, like his desire to have that like traditional Indian wife and, and, you know, be like giving like great home cooked food and having all of that cultural representation inside, but outside he's very much like a hundred percent American, you know, way too superior to be like categorized as an Indian. So over that, so above that. And yet the dinner scene, I, I love it so much. And I think, 
Gurren Lagann does a, a fantastic job with directing it because it's so subtle. He's eating in the most messily impolite or improper way possible with his hands. And if all of you listeners out there who do eat with your hands for Indian food, I do too. It's great. There's sometimes no other way to eat certain Indian foods than with your hands. But he's just like licking his palms. He's getting all messy. He's pointing his fingers at everybody. And it's he's also talking about how much better he is than the family and like how, you know, you should all come to America. You'll you'll change your minds. You want to leave this dump. You'll want to settle down. It's like this is such a uh, like there's a lost cause, you know, and it's 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 the funniest thing. My mom, every time she taught me how to eat when I was younger, she'd be like, your food is not allowed to go past your second knuckle. Like all food is supposed to go there. If it goes past that, that's impolite. You're disgusting. You're dirty. Stop that. And she'll yell at me for it too. But like, it's a thing. And so now you have the added bonus of like Goldie bad mouthing this, licking his palm and all stuff. But like, it's the extra, extra added grossness too. Because you see all the sisters like looking at each other, silently judging him. And they're also laughing at Lalitha because her parents have like, since Jay is taken by Balraj, they've pushed Goldie towards her. And now she's like, gross, this is who you want me to end up with? Can we talk about the fact that she's not technically taken by Balraj? Jaya and Balraj have not, like, you know, started a relationship. Neither has expressed their feelings to one another. This is all inside Mrs. Bakshi's crazy adult mind that, like, oh, you guys went on vacation together. Of course you're going to get married. It's going to happen. It's such a weird thing. And I'm like... I, I don't get it. I mean, maybe there was a whole point of sending her daughters there. Like one of them's going to come back engaged. It's just going to happen. Even though there's no ring or official ceremony or moniker of that, she's engaged and she's off limits. It's such a desi mom thing to do though. <laughs> like, oh, you talked to my daughter once? Obviously you're going to get married. Yeah. And then after the dinner comes the worst yet somehow the best song sequence of this movie. Oh God. No I definitely, without, I definitely like, repressed it. I definitely repressed it. Our favorite phrase, no life without wife. Yes, the tagline of this episode, no life. I hate it so much. No life without wife. You know, for every episode, we're going to have a tagline that just relates to the the film we're talking about, or the art we're talking about. And I mean, it's just, I think in the Austin version, it was more like, it's like, you know, a man is, is single-handedly seeking the possession of a good wife or some some sort of collection of, of those words. It's a truth universally acknowledged. It's truth universally acknowledged. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and yeah. we just yeah. dumb it down for this version and just be like, hey, no life without wife. That's it. Okay. But that genuinely makes me very, very angry because, okay, technically we mentioned this, the movie technically met its goals for what it wanted to accomplish. But Austin does so much more than just make a fun little rom-com where no woman is truly punished for the dumb decisions she makes. She makes a lot of social commentary on like the rules of Regency England at the time. Like there's a lot more dire reasoning for Mrs. Bennett being a thirsty, a thirsty, thirsty mom trying to get her daughters married. Like if she does married after the dad dies, they will be poor and in the streets. They will not have anything. They live in the time of coverture, which basically means that women at this time do not have any independent legal identity. Like everything is transferred from their father to their husbands. They live in the time of entail. So it's a re- it's a restriction on the estate. Like it can only be left to a male. So it makes sense that Mrs. Bennett is so, so thirsty. There isn't that dire sense of consequence with... Mrs. Bakshi, you know, like you could, I feel like the movie missed an opportunity to talk about why these traditions are so set in Indian culture now, you know, like they're, 
You can leave your stuff to your daughters. Your daughters can take over. Legally, no one's really stopping you. Mm -hmm. It's really just in terms of culture and tradition. And a huge part of that is because of like colonization and imperialism. And I feel like that was just, it was a missed opportunity. Like, you don't understand. Women back in this time, like, couldn't make their own will without the permission of the husband. And after he died, the husband could change the will. You couldn't sign documents or buy gifts. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I definitely think there was a huge opportunity lost there to to play with the Indian um, social cultural norms about their ideas about marriage and and you know get, get finding a husband and and because I mean like there's the ageism factor too where we hear about it in our community all mm-hmm. the time. Like if you pass a certain age and you're still unmarried, you know a lot of people look down at you or your parents get a lot of grief for it. And I, I thought that would have been really cool for them to to implement that in somehow. Like maybe if Mrs. Mrs. Bakshi was a bit more like if you guys are reaching this age, you gotta you gotta get married you got to have children otherwise people are going to look down on us that's something that a lot of people can relate to i feel like in our community and so there like examples of that or or certain other concepts that could have been pulled into it that are parallel to what austin did for like pride and prejudice it would have been so fascinating to see and i feel like we just missed out on so much because there was just no idea to, to push that in there maybe they thought it would be too serious and they wanted to make it really light i don't know why um but it would have been really cool yeah i just i'm i really want bollywood to try this again i want them to attempt to make another pride and prejudice adaptation because this could translate really well you just didn't you just scratched the surface with this adaptation it just didn't go there mm-hmm. yeah so what happens next then after the after the dinner oh god do they go to another inexplicable do, do they just inexplicably go to another party is this the garba scene yeah i yeah now wickham shows up just randomly to their house i was like oh hey i'm here and then lolita's like yeah by the way i invited him and i was like you don't give a heads up and then nothing you didn't call ahead yeah. can we also talk about mr bucksy's just being like totally cool with some random stranger staying at their home not worried about if he's a thief or like like i i, I just can't imagine in any cultural situation just inviting a stranger to come and stay with you because you met them at a beach party like it just seems so weird it's like for your parents to be like yeah bring your friend in you know whatever one it was definitely because Mrs. Bakshi was like, absolutely not. And he looked at her and was like, why don't you come in? And then two, the number of times my dad has met someone in a grocery like grocery store parking lot and is like, oh, hey, you're Indian. I'm Indian. Why don't you come over for tea? <laughs> you know like, what? Yeah, let's come over. And then he made a friend that way. You know what? I... I was gonna. I was also gonna agree. Like this is fake news. Who would just look? my gram? My grandpa does the exact same thing. If he even remotely thinks you're kin with him, like at grocery stores or whatever, he'll just like, oh my gosh, come over. Like he'll just toss out his number. No, no prerequisites. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you crazy. You've heard it first. This is our our form of networking. Then I guess this is just how we mm-hmm. make friends. <laughs> You're telling me that when you were a kid, you never saw your parents being like, oh, they're Indian. Like they've never seen another Indian person before. And they're like, we must befriend them. Not my, my family mainly made new friends through like parties. Like, you know, because there'd be so many people invited to like potlucks or like events or what, you know what I mean? And so you just strike up a conversation that way or you'd be introduced by a mutual friend. So it, it sort of worked out like that. But no, I don't think I've ever had that experience. It would be interesting to see what that would be like today, though. My grandparents are like that. My grandpa, anytime anyone's Indian. He, my grandfather, I moved out to L.A. like a year ago. Every time we talk on the phone, he asks me if I've met Brianka Chopra yet. Like, he just assumes <laughs> that I'm going to meet Brianka Chopra. 
<laughs> because we're both brown and we kind of live in the same city. Like you're gonna run but my each parents... other at the Indian store. Like you're at for the, the, the pie packet. You're just gonna be like, oh my god, what PC? So crazy. Being into running each other. Guess what? Chandra and Goli finally meet each other at the Garba. Oh right, it's true. Our Charlotte, mm-hmm, our Charlotte Lucas uh, counterpart, finally meets her Mr. Collins. Yeah, and it's literally because of Lolita. It was just awful. Like first you have like Coley just following Lolita around, and then you have like here Chandler take him for a bit because Mr. Darcy like sees her with Wickham at one point and gets extremely jealous. I don't know why, but he gets extremely jealous. You have no right over her. Don't be jealous. And then drags her away and tells her that Wickham is bad and he she shouldn't spend her time with him, but then gives no other details. So now you're, she's just like, what the hell is happening? Why are you talking to me? All in all, this is about the normal level of drama that happens at any Indian function. So this was actually probably the only part of the movie that I was like, this is pretty realistic. This, this checks out. No, no, no. We need an auntie crying. Then it checks out. You're right. Also, there has to be someone crying by the buffet table, too. So it's usually me. It's a mood. So, yeah, I guess to kind of recap that, the Garba happens. Um, She's smitten with Wickham. Chandra ends up meeting Kohli. And I think soon after that is is the proposal, right? Or am I jumping ahead a little bit here? Oh, well, no, no, no. We definitely have to talk about... Lalitha's incredibly weird colonized wedding dream sequence where she dreams about marrying British white boy Wickham. How could I? And forget? she's surrounded by like windmills and little Dutch children and like Big Ben and stuff. And she dreams about marrying Wickham in a church. I don't know. It was a very offensive dream sequence. I had um very like I had a question about that because she's really like all about um, wanting to be in India, having a career there, being with her father. And then what is she going to do after marrying him? Just going to up and go? Are you just going to go to America now? Like, he's obviously not going to come live in India. Like, and another thing with that, too, how he, like, suddenly decides, oh, yeah, I don't want to resort here. Oh, you don't want to resort here. You suddenly love India. Like, let me get with you real quick. Like, that did not make any sense to me at all. Like, she's very, like, pro-India, but, like, all her thoughts are very, like, not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. show it. Oh, we and should we'll bring that up again movie. once we talk about the proposal. Because yeah. after that crazy dream sequence, um, Coley proposes to Lolita. And it's almost as awful as Austin's version. And he's just terrible. And he's like, but you'll never have to work. And no one else is going to propose to you. You can come live with me in America. I'm saving you. Which gross oh is this is this another time where she comes up with a good line i can't remember i don't know but i do think like a a little different for austin in this proposal when she's like but i want to work and he's like okay you can work he's like desperately clinging or like grasping at straws just finding some way so they can compromise and get married it's it's really quite heartbreaking in a way because i know we all love to hate on coley but at the same time this guy is very socially awkward. He probably hasn't had a lot of luck with the ladies because he just doesn't understand them. And it's just like, he must be thinking, like, like scrambling in his head. I wish I could look inside his brain and be like, oh my God, if she rejects me, who the hell do I have left? Because there is nobody on the radar right now besides Lolita. I don't know what to do. At this point, are we like halfway through the movie or a little bit over the halfway point? Because this is this is the moment we were talking about earlier. This is when Lolita talks about, I want a career, I want to work. And I'm like, Girl, where? You have not talked about career at any point during this movie. This is brand new information to me. 
I'm with you, Coley. I'm also blindsided by this random excuse. I think we're a little over halfway, but um, yeah, so she rejects yeah. him, right? And then we we get into the whole, I think at that point, Chandra, you know. Yeah, Chandra accepts yeah. and... We, we do respect Lolita for not shaming her friend. I mean, to her face, she doesn't shame her friend for marrying this ridiculous man. And we understand, you know, like, she doesn't think she's going to get married. She's going to have a comfortable life in America at the very least. And it gives the entire family an excuse to take a, like, day-long flight across the world to America for this wedding. Like, Coley pays for this family to get on a plane and come to their American wedding bananas how many tickets is that out of curiosity is that like seven tickets that he's paying for because i just think financially like fiscally how much money he spent he paid only for three tickets okay it was only mrs bakshi and the two sisters okay i thought it was four. Oh um, yeah no four sorry i'm thinking about lucky mm. i was gonna say she specifically says oh they're sending four tickets and then all of them just show up so i was <laughs> a little curious about that too the, the dad wasn't there the dad was the only one missing but doesn't he show up later? He, well, he in well, we'll get into that of why he shows up later. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But they decide, since they're going to fly all the way out to California to see this wedding, they're like, oh, let's just stop by in London because that's a thing people do. Even though this dude already sent them the tickets, like, are they just going to have an extended jet lag? Did they plan this out with him? That's not something you can just decide. Okay, I'm trying to get my geography right. But like, it'd be... Like, when you're going to London, you go through the East Coast, whereas if you're going straight to California, you just straight up hit the West Coast if you're leaving India, right? Is that huh. how it works? Oh, is that true? I've actually never gone I, to I actually India. don't know. That's what I'm asking. I think I've only traveled to India from the Midwest slash East Coast, so I, I don't know. It honestly depends on the airline, I think, because I've gone, like, there's been flights in Delta where they've just gotten the complete opposite direction. I don't even know why, but it's like somehow cheaper for you to get like a ticket if it's longer of a flight duration, of course. And then it's like, if you want to do like Singapore Airlines or something like that, I I, I feel like I'm getting way too into this. But again, I think it really depends on the airline and which direction you're going. The logistics mattered to me because I was very confused. I'm like, oh, you're just going to you're just going to stop in London. Is that a separate ticket? Is that a new itinerary? Maybe maybe Air India offers that as an option because, you know, like there's... We do not talk about Air India to me after my last (laughs) India trip. (laughs) We'll get into that later. To be fair, travel logistics are a nightmare in India to begin with, but that's a separate conversation. Uh, So the family just decides to stop by in London. They're going to... I don't even remember what they were doing in London. What was their reasoning for stopping in London? I mean... They wanted to talk uh, to Balraj. That was literally it. Oh yeah, Bill. Oh yeah, they wanted Jaya and Bill Raj to still happen because they're practically and engaged. I mean, they're practically yeah. engaged. They spoke to each other at two parties. They're engaged. Done deal. As far as all set to go, we got to talk about the wedding. Yeah. Forget about the fact that you know Balraj hasn't written to Jaya in months at this point. Like mm-hmm. she's longingly staring at her computer screen with MSN Hotmail like in the background, and there's no incoming emails. But you know what? Why don't we just stop? In England mm-hmm. and go say hi to him anyways. It's like we know where he lives anyways. I do like to give the Hotmail shout out because it's not really a Bollywood movie unless you have weird product placement at inopportune moments. So they go to India, they go to Balraj's place and they meet Kiran and she's just like, yeah, you know, he's in, I think, New York meeting like mm. another woman. And then obviously the family's super upset. Mm-hmm. And they, because they didn't call ahead. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't call ahead. They had no idea this was happening. She was like, Nobody wow, knows I call ahead in this movie. movie. She was like, wow, I wish he told me. But like, girl, he's not emailing you. 
Yeah. Take a hint. Take a hint. And then they get to the airport and that's when they meet Mr. Darcy again. <laughs> Which is honestly one of the funniest things that happened in this movie, if I'm going to be honest. Um, Darcy shows up and, surprise, he's on the same flight because of plot reasons. They're all sitting in economy and anyone who has traveled to India or Asia in general knows how uncomfortable these economy flights are or any flight really to the U.S. They're terrible. This rich white boy gives up his first class ticket and gives it to their mother. And he's like, I just did it so I could sit next to you. And I'm like, what? You are sitting right by the bathrooms and you're going to be in economy for like 20 hours. Are you this was this was a choice you made. Can we also talk about how you're going to be sleeping for most of them? I would assume because I don't know who mm-hmm. stays awake for 20 hour flights when there's no movie screen in front of them. Um, Because yeah. I'm pretty sure there wasn't. And I would like really really have a huge frustration panic attack if i didn't even have that as an option to distract myself from the leg cramps and the terrible seating arrangements and the total uncomfortableness of long flights yeah he willingly did this especially a guy who probably has never in his life sat in economy i'm pretty sure he was traumatized by the end of it i know the first time i went to india and i was sitting in economy i definitely was i was like "Mm, we're not doing this again i'll go by boat yeah, like I, ha- I have war flashbacks thinking about like my mom would like, she's like, okay, we're going to get the whole row to ourselves. Like it'd be me and my mom and grandparents. She's like, someone will sleep on the floor. Someone will move up the armrest and sleep on the chair. It's like a whole thing. And I'm like, I can't believe you willingly did this for a girl that you've talked to maybe three times. So anyway, yeah, they, they sit next to each other. And I think it's the first time where they actually have both their guards down and they start to say, hey, maybe. Yeah, she's not that bad. He's not that bad. We're kind of getting along, you know, we're, we're cracking jokes. We're having a little bit of fun. And then they land in the U.S. for the wedding. Um, and so we can get into the wedding. Um, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah. So the camaraderie between Lolita and Darcy lasts until they get to the wedding venue. And then she meets his mother. And, and his sister, who's played by Rory Gilmore. And his sister, too. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm still <laughs> laughing. That I was like, wait, Gilmore Girls? Halfway through the movie? I didn't realize she was in this. But this movie spent all of their budget on her and the dad and Ashwara Rai. And that's it. That's where all the budget is. And Ashanti. And Ashanti. And Ashanti. And Ashanti. Can't forget Ashanti. Our OG Akon. Shout out. Yeah. So she meets the mom. And I just, I found that interaction just to be so hilarious. Because she was just like, this is your mother, like internally screaming in her mind. (laughs) She's like, God, I thought my mother was terrible. No, there was really no way for her to meet the mother and not have it have racist overtones. But we'll talk about that in a second. I just need a refresher. Does she like mention here that she sent Will to like go do business in India? Or mm-hmm. was that something that he decided to do business and he told his mom about it? Because I think from what I remember, I feel like she kind of pushed him to ha- like build a resort there or like set up a resort there. And then he came back and he was like, no, we shouldn't do it. So it was pre-planned rather than something he decided on the sly when he was over yeah. there. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and then, of course, she also divulges the information that, you know, he's uh, he might be getting back with his ex-girlfriend and like, or, or am I maybe jumping ahead a little bit here? You're jumping a little ahead. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll hold myself in. But yeah, she's she's not yeah. the greatest person. But then you do meet Georgie, like Rory Gilmore, and she kind of spills the beans about what's going on. Or am I jumping ahead again? I think I'm talking Again, about No, no, no. That happens around the same time. The sequence of events that happened in Bride and Prejudice, they don't happen in the same order in the book yeah. or the 2005 movie version. It's very, it was like very jarring for me, but 
he meets Lalita meets the sister and then that's when she finds out oh my god this white boy sabotaged my sister's wedding and he sucked all along I should have followed my instincts no no no. so what happens is they meet Georgie and like she meets the mom and then they like you know like the mom's like oh yeah he didn't do business and she's like wow he didn't do business and they have this like long another song montage where they get to know each other more where like they go to a Mexican restaurant, then they have a black choir, and then Baywatch makes an entrance. And we get to mention that Lolita plays the guitar. I can't believe we skipped over that. In Goa, yeah, she inexplicably pulls out an old encrusted guitar and starts playing. And I'm like, all right, but that comes up again at this weird mm-hmm. montage. Yeah, but you're right. I think we did get a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah, they do fall in love in that weird montage. And then there's yeah. the, like the fountains and they're dancing around the fountains and then they... You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was my bad, y'all. I definitely skipped through that song, so I forgot that that happened because I didn't see it. Yeah, that song was awful. It was, they're all awful. I think um, we got to also give an honorary mention to the Cobra Dance and the sitar. <gasps> so, oh, God. That Cobra Dance was, okay, so the sister that does it, Maya Bakshi, she is this movie's version of Mary Bennett. And Mary Bennett, throughout the series of Pride and Prejudice, is kind of treated as a joke uh, because she's super serious and she reads the Bible a lot and she plays the piano all the time pretty terribly. And Maya just does this incredibly cringy cobra dance for her guests and nobody asked her to. I hated it. I, I looked away. I like shut my eyes, closed my ears. I was like, I'm not watching this. That was like the Michael Scott equivalent of Bread and Prejudice. That like the cringe oh, was yeah. just too high and you have to just power through because you know the payoff. Well, in this case, the payoff wasn't that great. But normally in the <laughs> office, the cringe is just so bad. You're like, okay, something's going to make up for it. Not in this case. It just, it really made me feel bad. <laughs> I was very unsettled. It's, it's the Michael's tot. It's the Michael's tots of this movie. That you episode was God's tots. tots. Yeah. No. God's tots. It's the word. I, I haven't been able to rewatch that episode and I can never rewatch this Cobra dance. Moving forward from the Cobra dance after the fountain scene, that's when the actual wedding happens. And you see like Goldie and Chandra getting married. And it's like a Hindu wedding. They're doing Christian vows, which was weird. And but this is also the point where you meet Anne, Darcy's girlfriend, and Lolita's upset because she's like, "Wait, what? You have a girlfriend?" And then she goes off with Georgie, and Georgie tells her like, "Oh yeah, you know, Darcy's the one who broke up Balraj and Jaya because of your gold digging mother." Which is so so strange because like we're almost at the end of the movie at this point. I'm like the sequence of events that this all happened was so so strange, and I think in uh, Austin's Pride and Prejudice. That kind of all happens at the middle and they have their big falling out after he, after Darcy terribly proposes to her and they both go on character oh. arcs where they both independently become better people. That that doesn't happen in this movie. I was very confused why they ended up together. I just didn't understand. Yeah. So then they have that like weird confrontation or angry or confrontation, I should say, in the gardens, right? Where she mm-hmm. just gets so angry with him and says like, you broke up my sister's marriage and he's so confused because at this point he's just totally head over heels in love with her. And um, it's, it's just a very dramatic moment. And she says, I want nothing to do with you and storms off angrily upset. And we reach the point where um, we get back into Wickham, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we find out that um, Wickham, despite 
putting the moves on Lalita. He's been chatting up her little sister and it's super scandalous. And they run off in London. Like they run off together, but it's, it's very strange. Yeah. And then Ramya, this is where the dad shows up because she like leaves behind this note. And I don't know what the note says because they never really showed you, but there's a note. And I'm guessing it's like, I'm leaving. And so the dad's like worried. And so he comes into London to go figure out what happened to his daughter and everything. The logistics behind her running off don't make sense to me. Cause I'm like, what about when your tourist visa expires? Yeah. Like what are you going to do just, then? It didn't make sense. Like she's clearly, what's she going to do? Like backpack barefoot with Wickham, like everywhere. Like that just didn't track. And also she didn't look like she was leaving her family forever in this movie. It looked like she was having a good time and Wickham sees that Darcy and Lilith are closing in and he like steers her away from them. So it almost makes it seem like he's holding her hostage. Yeah, I mean, have you noticed like when they're on like the London Eye or whatever, he's trying to make moves on her and she like intentionally brushes him off. And it's like, what's going on here? Because that just made me really uncomfortable. That whole scene right there Mm -hmm. where he was trying to like make moves and stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But we, I think like a little bit before we get into that, right? Like he comes to apologize. Darcy comes to apologize to Lalita. And then, you know, he tells her the truth about what happened with Wickham and his sister. And in this version, you know, Wickham, you know, got his sister pregnant. Um, we don't really know what happened after that. But we assume that, you know, everything's okay now. And she's back and she's with her family. And, and you know, it's all good. It was a traumatic experience. But they're over. They're tight as a family. And Lalita, Rory Gilmore wasn't it did not show up with a baby, so I guess I guess that that kind of worked. It worked itself out, whatever. And uh, Lalita gets word about her little sister Lucky, um, great name by the way, Uh, Lucky (laughs) being uh, like running away with Wickham, and then you see this lovely panoramic London um, tour with the eye, and like I think you see a bit of Buckingham Palace, and you see those double decker buses, and it's like for someone who's never seen England before, it's a great, great scene. a great tourist shot but i I do love like ramya that you brought that up like the uncomfortable because like they're they're flirty they're like holding hands and stuff but every time he tries to be physical with her wickham tries to be physical with lucky she just tries to push him off so you still see that insecurity that young girl being naive and it's 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 really sad honestly it just makes me wonder how long has she been away from home because clearly it was long enough that the dad flew in from india like has it been a day has it been like a day and a half has it been two hours like I don't I don't know I I don't know either but we do know that um Darcy's like okay we gotta go we gotta go find your sister we gotta save her and so they go on this rescue mission and they end up saving Lucky um from a movie theater for some reason they just barge in and they find out where she is and they're like in a Bollywood movie <laughs> it's just during a Bollywood movie yeah I don't know what movie it was but um yeah yeah and then my favorite part of the movie, this iconic fight scene where they're literally standing in front of the movie and having the same fist fight that the movie is showing. And I loved every second of it. This is where I like stood up and I was like cheering and I was like, yeah, you punch him. But I wasn't cheering for anyone specifically. It was just cheering in general. Yeah, this is- it was poetic cinema. It was terrible. <laughs> this is where the cheese was at a whole new level. And I was like, okay, I got it. I got to power through this is too much and thankfully it's a short fight um and not a very brutal one but they end up going away and then um ash gives this like or lalita i should say gives this like withering look to wickham when he's like it's always been you it's always been you and it's okay bro it's always been her and yet you're like trying to chat up with her 15 16 year old sister i'm assuming i mean come on let's let's get real i was thinking of you the whole time i just didn't understand okay here's the thing in the book and the 2005 cinematic version, there are very high stakes for Lydia in that version running off with Wickham because, I mean, one, it's Regency England, so it ruins her whole reputation. And two, 
Lydia is very thirsty in the English version and she definitely is running away with him to sleep with him. She's like eloping and she just hopes that he'll marry her. Like she hopes that because she's going to run off and sleep with him, he'll just marry her. And I don't know, the stakes are just not very high in this Bollywood version. I just, I don't understand. Like she kind of runs off with him, has a fun little time, but doesn't really understand what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And she comes back and everything, like nothing has changed. And except for Lalita seeing Wickham, or not Wickham, Darcy as, oh my gosh, you saved my sister. Did he? You know. Did he save your sister? It was a punch. You know, we love those manly aggressions. Yeah. Uh, The stakes were just way higher and way, and the payoff was way better in the actual adaptation. Like I just, it just didn't track for me. I don't think it really translates well Mm -hmm. in a modern date i don't know it just it was sus and it just like obviously this just provides the perfect opportunity for darcy to be like but i truly do love you and like confessing essentially which i was like gross not in front of me you don't but they did (laughs) they did it was just very very strange and then you know bill raj and jaya end up together even though technically in this version bill raj and darcy haven't spoken in a while like they had a falling out because darcy's like don't marry that indian girl and he's like you can't tell me what to do but then they they don't end up together until darcy gives his blessing it was very strange and this plot didn't track i had a question about that it's like why does bill raj put so much like why does he give darcy so much credit like why is he following everything that he says like, aren't you your own man? Like, you should be in a better position to be able to make your own decisions. I agree. I mean, I think it's really interesting. And it kind of makes you curious about their unique backstory. Maybe they were, like, very close friends since they were kids. Maybe there was, like, you know, they're, they're just, like, really real with each other. And they don't have that type of outlet. They're practically brothers in that sense. So I think with Balraj, it's like, well, I can't be with anyone that my brother doesn't love and appreciate. Because he can't get that emotional support from his sister. So he found it in Darcy somehow, even though no one else is seeing that. Um, maybe just between them they they have that connection so you know yeah and I was gonna say like if it was like if I was talking to a dude and like one of you guys was like don't do it don't do it this is the worst you're gonna hate their family I'd be like oh shit maybe I shouldn't <laughs> like, like, I just like, don't understand the fallout yeah I don't understand like I'd be like oh shit maybe I should and then I'd I like would probably be upset for a bit where I'd be like you know what I need my own space for a while while I try to get over it but like I don't understand how it took months for them to get back together. And all of a sudden it was like perfectly fine. Like if we didn't talk for months, cause we had a fallout, but then, you know, I ended up with the girl and you were okay with it. I'd be sobbing on your shoulder being like, I missed you. Let's never do this again. And instead they're like, stop. What's up? Have you been dude? They did that off screen. Yeah, they did. Uh, I'm just like a little curious about that because um, I guess it didn't make sense to me because Darcy is like, I felt like what whatever he did was selfish. He didn't want to see um, Lolita or like he didn't want to see Lizzie in whatever context. So he kind of made sure that his friend wasn't around that too. So he didn't have to deal with that all the time. That's what I was thinking the entire time. I mean, it very well might be part, but I don't think also the part like he genuinely does have a care and respect for his friend. And he's just worried that this might be a bad match and he'll be unhappy. So I think there's, it's, I think it's both, right? I think he's selfish. And I think there's also that you know, brotherly um, protectiveness that he's got going on, you know. But I he just ends up not... marrying into the same family, so it doesn't make sense to me. Like, at the end of the day. <laughs> they basically become brother-husband, husband-brothers, brother-husbands. 
It's very I mean, they do it, but then they also have that lovely double wedding because as all Indian movies do, they wrap it up, you know, everything's golden. Don't worry about the minor plot holes. And I think they, they get married together. It's it's lovely. Yeah. So when that scene started happening, you see like Jaya getting ready for her wedding. And then like you see Balraj like doing something, I think. And then you just see like Lolita running outside. And then there's like Darcy just banging on a drum on both sides. And then he turns. Shahrukh Khan essentially and yeah. then I was so convinced that he was gonna get down on one knee and propose and I was like this is so tacky I hate it I hate it so much <laughs> don't propose don't propose and somehow the worst outcome happened that they both got married at the same time it wasn't even uh, a proposal it's true though it was way worse he comes in like this white savior she's in love with him because at the end of the movie he's like India's not that bad after everyone's trashing India and they're like oh why do you think that white boy? And he's like, you know, the culture. <laughs> There's nothing else further. And I'm like, this was it. This was your threshold. Lalita, this this was your threshold. Yeah. And like, I'm just gonna say it right now. When that wedding, when I saw that they were actually both getting married at the same time, I was like, God, I wish we got a proposal. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was saying, though, because it's like, she got satisfied real quick. All you had to do was say, oh, I'm not building a resort here. Let's get married. All of a sudden, it's like, you have no sense of like, you don't have any like levels to this at all. She was also undergoing Stockholm Syndrome. She's like, that's it. You've got me. You pursued me like long connected. enough. We connected. We were both like, Darcy, Darcy, you beautiful bastard. Come here. I mean, she was inconsistent throughout the whole movie. Remember when she said she didn't drink and she shows up at that Mexican restaurant drinking a margarita? What was that about? What's the truth? I don't know. But I will say the whole double wedding thing. That is a thing. That's a thing a lot of families do. Um, Especially like South, South, a lot of South Indian families. I can say that because, you know, I'm South Indian. I come from that background. And yeah, that's, that's happened a lot. And I think it's literally the only reason it's not necessarily like a, a point to do it just because they're like, oh, let's like budget together and we can just get it over with. It's more like, oh, all our family is here. We have some joyous news. Everything's like working out perfectly. Let's let's just have this huge wedding of, of two couples. But yes, I do agree. It would I would have been more accepting with it if they had a more natural progression of their relationship and it showed him slowly starting to have more respect than just playing the the tabla and knowing a couple dance moves and being like, I know culture. I got this. I love India. <laughs> we're square. We're, we're like straight. Lolita, like, I'm never going to make fun of it. Like we're, we're, we're never going to have any more fights. Like we're perfect. And it's like, yeah, I would have been happier if they just like dated or, or decided to just get in a relationship and, and that would have worked much more, but you know, they wanted to wrap everything up in a bow. So yeah. So the double wedding thing, though, is that just a movie thing? Like, do they just portray that in films or does that never actually happen that. in real life? Because I've never seen it in real life other than films. I've never seen it either. I, I've known friends, like I've known um, like some family members and some family friends who, who have done it. Um, you know, it's it's definitely not uncommon. It's not as common now. I feel like back then, you know, a lot of it happened. And I, I think a lot of like tumble films like in the 90s especially too like um there were a lot of like double weddings going on and things and of course like you even see some hindi films now where people who want to get married economically on a budget you can go to like a temple you can go to a center and there's just hundreds of couples just all dressed in the same type of garb and they're just getting married at the same time like performing those rights because it's you know fast so 
Yeah. It was what? What's that sequel to Humpty Shermaki Dulania? Badrinath Dulania. Yeah, Badrinath. They're they're having a double wedding with the two brothers. There That's you go. Yeah. So a lot of families who are really rooted in that type of concept where they just want to like show it off and get like maybe not you know it, it, there's there's pros and cons to it. It really depends on the couple. Um, but it is a thing. I mean, I yeah, it happens. <laughs> I. I have no words. I've literally never seen that. I'm North Indian. Uh, I'm from North India. I've I've only seen it in Bollywood movies when it's very cheesy and it happens to work for the plot. But yeah. I mean, even in South India, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that in real life. I've only seen it in film. And it never made sense to me because I'm like, why would you like try to share your like, isn't having a wedding like a big moment? Like you're supposed to like cherish that. You found your person. You're celebrating each other. But Indian weddings? Oh, no. I, I just don't get the whole like double wedding thing. <laughs> you said an Indian wedding. I mean, like I said, it, it really depends on the couple what they want. If they're willing to celebrate with each other, great. And if they want, if they're so close and they want to do that, power to them. But I think as long as the intent is there and they have a loving like relationship and it's for the right reasons, I, I don't have anything against it. Of course, with Lilitha and Darcy, that's not necessarily the case. It's very rushed. And they're just like, let's just get this over with. Let's get married. You know, you're going to be my number one. So, yeah. All right, y'all. Final verdict. If you had to rate this movie out of 10, what would you give it? Oh, man. Who's going to go first? (laughs) I'll give it a zero. Because it took me three days to finish that film. I was going through it. Every single time a song sequence came on, I'm like, I got to go. I got to get up. I got to do something else because I could not sit through that movie for the life of me. I did not. If I had to watch that movie again, I'd probably go jump off a cliff. I'd rather do that. I, You know what? I thought you were a little harsh. I think I'm going to be a little bit nicer. I think I'll give it a three because I really enjoyed Ashanti, even if I didn't understand what she was saying. Ash was okay. And I'll give some points to Rory Gilmore just because I was just, uh, I just get excited whenever she shows up in anything. I'll give points for Ashanti. Yeah. So now what what are you at now? One point. One one point for Ashanti. Okay. Okay. It would have been two points if she could have understood what Ashanti said, but it's one point because she showed up. I give it a 3.5 out of 10 because, Mm -hmm. well, two because, you know, the plot, like, it did what it wanted to do. Hollywood, Bollywood, it was there. Um, I got to rant about it to you guys for an hour or so. I enjoyed that. Um, mm-hmm. It took points off because once they started singing in the streets, I just I just couldn't handle it anymore. But I would have given it originally a two out of ten. I gave an extra point five because Johnny Wickham, my man. Oh God, I love you. All right, colonizer. I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, I, I will give it a three. I, I too think it's, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement. I agree. Um, Alicia, I think you brought this up that if this can be redone, I think it'd be really cool. I think it'd be really amazing if they could do it with like an all like Indian cast. Cause like we can explore that type of like all the different nuances, the different like social forms and customs that we deal with, I think it'd be really well done. And I know Austin's other novels have been adapted really well in, in both North Indian, South Indian cinema, especially Sense of Sensibility and Emma. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it'd be really cool. And I'm, I'm sure maybe there is an adaptation out there, maybe like a TV show or maybe a movie. So listeners, if any of you guys happen to know of another Pride and Prejudice Indian adaptation, please let us know. We would love to. We're curious. Up. I mean, you know, we, yeah. 
yeah, we would love to get wind of it. But no, honestly, please let us know. I will watch any Pride and Prejudice adaptation. I even sat through the zombie one, which was also really terrible in a very unique way. So <laughs> I will watch it. Y'all have been I... too generous. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I gave this movie a zero at first. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> I, I personally I just... am for future episodes. Hopefully we can kind of like alternate between like bad adaptations and good ones. I know our podcast <laughs> Is titled Bad Adaptations, the B for Bollywood, not bad. Yeah, B for Bollywood. You know, I know we say a majority of them are probably not going to be great, but I would love to sprinkle in a couple that are are decent or okay. So if, again, we're, we're planning it episode by episode. We're just going to see what we can come up with. But if you listeners have any suggestions, please let us know. We, of course, are um, receptive to that. So yeah, like I'm always rooting for a good adaptation. I'm always hoping for it. I think you could have done really well if you had even just made all the characters Indian. I didn't. Why did Lolita's two love interests have to be white and everyone else is brown? Like at the core of the story, it's about like class and marriage and societal commentary. And you could do such great things making commentary on Indian culture and tradition. Like you could have gone there and you chose not to because it was the early 2000s and that was its own cultural whirlwind of a time. So I get it. You know what? Actually, I am going to, I'm actually going to agree with Rohini. I think I'm going to change my rating to a 3.5. Only because Lolita had five really great lines and I really appreciated them. She had this really great line with Lady Catherine. <laughs> Lady Catherine's like, ugh, we already have your spices and blah, blah, blah. Why do we go to India? And Lolita's like, well, I mean, people still go to Italy and you guys have Pizza Hut. And I was like, ugh, iconic. So I'm just going to give it that half a point just for that line. It was, it was really good. Yeah. The rest of the movie and the music especially was god awful but i appreciated those lines sure it was traumatizing That's what I'm <laughs> never gonna be able to unsee this movie exactly well um i think that kind of wraps it up you guys but uh had a lot of fun yeah. doing this and um this was really fun thank you for listening to us ramble for our first episode um hopefully you stick around we're gonna be doing some great things maybe probably you be the judge of that since you're probably gonna rate this podcast and as we continue yeah, so, with episodes, we will get better with the structure of them. So <laughs> if this felt a little loose and a little all over the place, we did our best to keep it as structured as possible. But of course, you know, we we tend to go off on tangents and stuff. That's fine. Um, yeah, we're mm-hmm. we're also not all filming at the same place. All of us are in different time zones. Thanks to so, COVID-19 as well as just yeah, our locations. Thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you, pandemic. Thank you, we, pandemic. So anyway, um, final closing remarks, anyone? I think I've said all I needed to say. So. Yeah. I'm I'm okay if we never comment on this movie ever again. Stop. John Wickham, hit me no. up. <laughs> I'm here. Stop. You could just watch I'm the ready. originals. <laughs> I think he's... I will never put myself through Vampire you know, that's Diary. That's, that's valid. No disrespect to the CW, but also woof. <laughs> Alright, well, thanks everyone. All right. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Um... <laughs> when we're signing up. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And thank you to Preeti Kesavan for creating our intro music. And thank you to Laura Lowe for our podcast art. You can find Laura at Laura's Does Art. That's L.A.U.R.A. Does Art on Instagram.